Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing Four Good Days, The Squid and the Whale, and Escape Room. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. So Jessica, the Emmys were last night. Mm-hmm. Did any of your favorite series win? Uh, I sure loved Ted Lasso a lot, so that was cool. And pleased to see all the female directors and writers winning. Yeah, that was fun. Whenever we watched Hacks earlier this year, I knew it was really good and we really liked it. I wasn't sure if it'd be the type of show that would translate over to the Emmys. So I'm glad that they got some good recognition, even if they didn't win the the big prize, but they won some good prizes. And I think the lady who won both writing and directing for Hacks, she seems like someone who really announced herself as someone to pay attention to with her speech because I really enjoyed her speech. I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I also really loved Ted Lasso ever since we started watching it last year. I've been a little bit dismayed over the discourse over the second season. A lot of people seem to be like having a backlash against it, but I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, I still like it a lot. I don't know why people think it's seemingly like a step back or something from the first season because there's a lot of good stuff this season in my opinion. Maybe because it's going more with individual characters instead of just focusing on Ted. I guess so. I think that maybe people don't like some of the darker turns it's taking but I think it's not that, that dark. <laughs> I guess you're right. Maybe just the expanding of the world beyond Ted and his toxic positivity. (laughs) I mean, if people don't like the dark stuff, that's fine. But in my opinion, it's not that dark. And they address some of it in the first season, like with Ted's anxiety attacks and everything. So yeah, it's more of the same. And his divorce was pretty harsh and heartbreaking. My advice to the people who for some reason aren't liking this season of Ted Lasso, if you have Apple TV Plus anyway, just go over and watch Mythic Quest because that show's dope as well. Yeah. I was happy to see some Mayor of Easttown love because that's one of my favorite things we've watched this year so far. Mm-hmm. We rarely get a chance to have those uh, shows that hook us and we watch like immediately right after they air because, I don't know, shows aren't that good consistently <laughs> throughout the year. But I was glad to see that get some love. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only thing that we've been watching recently. Before we get into our main discussion, I wanted to just talk about two movies that we watched since the last time that we recorded an episode, which thank you to those who noticed that we took an extra week off. We wanted to accommodate for my at-home birthday celebration, so we took a slight sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, all two of you. Yeah. I just wanted to thank people for hanging in there. The first of I want to talk about is this Polish movie called Never Gonna Snow Again, which I was quite taken with. It's kind of like a fantastical premise about a masseuse who goes into this community. He's kind of a magical figure and he helps people through their problems as he like almost physically takes on some of their anxieties and depression and everything as he's like working with them and talking to them. And it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like a magical realism 
to the film. I just think it's a charming movie that has some weird elements that you can debate afterwards and think what was real and what isn't. So if this sounds interesting in the slightest to any of you, I would suggest it because it's one of the better international films I've seen this year. And the other movie I wanted to touch on real quick is this Chinese film noir called The Wild Goose Lake. It's kind of like a standard plot of just a guy who's part of this like underground crime scene. He gets mixed up in the death of a policeman and there's a price out on his life so there's a police presence going after him and then since there's a bounty some of the like competing gangs are going after him as well and it's very stylishly filmed and has like bright neon colors it kind of almost reminded me of Only God Forgives, which we watched earlier this year, but I did not really enjoy that movie, and I did really enjoy this film, but just the way it was shot, it was very, like, seedy and vibrant. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, old-school film noir isn't always your favorite, but did you like this one? Mm, Yeah, it was okay. I didn't love it. I like the style of it, and the music reminds me of Drive, but other than that, I I don't really care. (laughs) It's fine if you want to not think. Yeah. If you want like a Nicholas Winden Refn-esque movie, but done in a Chinese form, I think this is the closest I've seen and I think it's worth a watch. So now, Jessica, shall we Sundance? We shall. Opioids have a 97% relapse rate. You have gone through this 15 times. Do you know what an opiate antagonist is? No. It's a shot we give you once a month. This shot essentially makes you immune to getting high. Is it safe? Are you kidding me? Now all of a sudden your body's a temple? You have to be clean for at least a week. Four more days, seriously? Tired of what we've been through. I'm scared for you. She's around. Who is that? If I wasn't a junkie, would you even ask? Probably not. Whenever I've decided to re-engage with her, I've always done it with my eyes wide open. So you feel like you've run out of hope. Please, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You want to give up the fight. Mom, how is she? She sits around smoking, twitching, and I am there watching her like a hawk and pretending that I'm not. Almost one day down. Three more to go. When you think it's the end. Four Good Days had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival in 2020. It is directed by Rodrigo Garcia and it stars Glenn Close, Mila Kunis, and Stephen Root. When Deb gets a surprise visit from her daughter, Molly, she is less than thrilled. She is, in fact, terrified. At first, it may seem like Deb is being cruel, initially refusing to let Molly in her house, but Molly is a drug addict with a decade-long history of failed detox programs who repeatedly swore she wanted to get better, but then lied to and stole from the family. Deb's refusal to give Molly yet another chance gradually fades when she sees glimpses of the child she knew in this deeply broken young woman. Something about this time feels different, or does she just want it to feel different? 
So Jessica, as you know, I sometimes have difficulty with addiction dramas. A lot of them just kind of get on my nerves. I think a lot of it's because of certain issues within my own family history that leaves me not really tolerant of a lot of this content. And unless a movie is just, I think, really great, it often just puts me ill at ease. And this one was not really great, (laughs) in my opinion. I think the performances are generally good but I think the script is lacking in a lot of respects. It does show an unsparing look at some of the effects of drugs and visually there's some visceral things like showing the effects that drugs have on like your gums and teeth and stuff. I'd say it was meth mouth but I don't think she was doing meth. She was doing a lot of stuff. I'm having a little bit of everything. Yeah, so that stuff, it like made my stomach churn and just the character beats, it seemed too almost like neat and tidy and the way, I won't get into any spoilers, but I think the way the film wrapped up was very unrealistic and uh, it just kind of made me more down on the movie than I even was initially before because it didn't seem to earn any type of ending that it got into. I like this movie pretty well. I like it a lot more than you do. I think the performances were good and I found Mila's portrayal of a drug addict believable and just how she was acting because you can't trust them whenever they're jonesing for their fix and they'll do anything. I think she really nailed that because there are a lot of times where you would think that Glenn Close's character would and fall into her trap because so far she had done better because she had hardened herself to it all but then she fell into traps that seemed pretty obvious mm-hmm. but I think it's just because that time she was sh- so sure that she was going to get better so she allowed herself to be fooled but the movie I don't think it's overly long which is good and it doesn't drag out the addiction or just like the spiraling because you already know how much she spiraled because of the state that she's in and they're to drastic measures at the time. So it's just interesting to find out, I guess, newer treatments that I didn't know about, like the shot. It's like, if you get the shot and you do drugs, you don't get high. So then there's no point in doing drugs. So I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like the whole point of the movie that she's been clean for a certain number of days, like three days or something. And she has to stay sober for four more days, four good days in order to get this shot so that it won't interact adversely with her. So they're trying to keep her sober for this amount of time so she can take this shot that'll hopefully keep her sober for an additional month. But yeah, and also like the holes in the whole system where people fall through the cracks and like drug dealers hanging outside of treatment centers and doctors not being the best at following up or following a patient Mm -hmm. and just affording certain things and... I think it it does a decent job at showing those things, but I didn't hate it or anything. It would be weird to say that I enjoyed it because it's not really an enjoyable experience. I wasn't just like, I wish this could be over. I was just like, this is a good movie. It's interesting. And I feel for the characters, both of the main characters and everyone else in her life. I got angry whenever she was obviously pulling one over on Glenn Close's character because I was just like, obviously she's lying. And then the ending didn't really upset me that much because I think it left off at like a good place that Deb is in because she can't exactly trust her and then there's always that air of doubt hanging around so they're always dancing around each other and I think it set that up pretty well so it's just like who knows what's gonna happen after that it's just up to Molly 
what's going to happen. Yeah, I think more of my issue was before that, whenever they were going to try to get the shot, there was certain information that was trying to be like withheld from medical professionals. Yeah, I mean, that part irritated me as well because it seemed like they completely forgot everything, the main big thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, how could you forget that? That is a matter of life and death almost Yeah. in order to get the shot. Yeah, it seems like what, based on the information we were given, that certain effects should have been more severe than they were, and it just seemed like the ending resolved too neatly. And the ending is a little bit rushed because it fast-forwards in time, and you don't see the journey after that, but I think if we were to see the journey after that, the movie would be too long. I don't really know if they had a choice with how they set it up and wrote it, because if it were longer, you would just be like, I don't want to see this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying not to spoil this movie, so I'll I'll move on. But I just <laughs> it just hinges on their desperation, both Deb and Molly's desperation. So that can be cringy for some people. Can we just issue like a thirty second spoiler alert? Sure. Okay, jump ahead thirty seconds. We won't go beyond that. So okay, my main issue with the movie is they're not supposed to give her this drug while drugs are in her system, and she was having such a bad reaction. I just expected her that she would have to die or something. She shouldn't be rewarded for being a dumbass and by saying like oh it's okay that she lied and had drugs in her system everything ended up fine i don't really think that she was rewarded because she suffered pretty severe side effects like adverse effects so i don't think she was rewarded i think she got lucky her whole life has been her getting lucky and yeah that that's unrealistic because at this time maybe it was just one time too far like that was her luck ran out or something i don't know i mean they didn't want it to be too much of a downer i guess yeah and if they got themselves in this situation, just just make it a downer, I guess. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like she's learning a lesson, I guess. I think she learned something. She's going to always have to tiptoe around her mom, and her mom's never going to trust her ever, ever again. And that's her punishment for the rest of her life. If her mom calls, she misses that call, her mom's going to be like, where were you? Yeah. Their relationship is messed up. Yeah, I did like how in earlier in the movie that they had set it up that Deb had all these things in place to make sure that Molly wasn't able to sneak out and do certain things. She had alarms on the door, like chimes on the door, like whenever she'd go out into the garage. And it seemed realistic for the situation that she was in that she'd be very vigilant of Molly's whereabouts at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and spoiler. <laughs> so yeah, I think what I kind of take away from this movie is I didn't hate this movie, but it, I didn't love it. But I do think I like movies like this and probably more so like Ben is Back which I liked more than this, where it isn't showing at the time the person completely going down like a serious drug hole, like in Beautiful Boy. I'm not really interested in that. So the kind of compressed timeline over a few days or hours or however kind of short time, I think works better for me. But interestingly enough, I do really like Requiem for a Dream. So I don't know what's going on there. I think it's probably because Aronofsky puts more artistry into his direction and at least makes things visually interesting. This is just straightforward and a lot of these types of dramas are more straightforward and just not really engaging me on a more than like a narrative level and like a performative level. I need a little bit more to make it entertaining. I did want to touch on this 
one scene that it made me very tense and it was like whenever she was playing video games with her son and he went off on his mom in a playful uh, initially playful way uh, whenever he beat her and be like you suck you Mm -hmm. suck and then he just kept repeating it and I kept getting increasingly uncomfortable. You were just like... He's releasing all of his pent-up rage and disappointment in her. Yeah, and I was just like, bro, you're gonna cause your mom to relapse because you won't stop telling her she sucks because she already feels that way about herself. Yeah, but it's not his responsibility. I know. It's just like my brain that wants to make sure everyone's okay. I'm just like, this isn't good for her self-esteem or emotion and you don't need to get her into a darker place but i know like everyone's responsible for their own (laughs) he just snapped in that moment yeah but just stuff like that it's just so uncomfortable and i mean it's supposed to purposefully be uncomfortable if you're gonna go into this movie know how uncomfortable it's gonna be (laughs) and just how depressing but like it's fine but if you've seen other movies about this topic i don't think it sheds a lot of new light on it there's just like you said maybe that one new treatment that's is interesting and if you like the performers they do a good job yeah i don't get to see mila in darkly dramatic roles usually she's more in comedic roles Yeah, it seems like after she did Black Swan, it's been a while since she's been able to unlock that part of her, which she's very good at. Yeah. If it's just based on performances, this is a really good movie. It's just the content of the movie just didn't really resonate with me. And, like, if this had been released last year and Glenn Close had been nominated for a supporting actor for this instead of Hillbilly Elegy, I would have also been fine with that (laughs) because Hillbilly Elegy is nothing special, so... (laughs) Yeah. I like Glenn. It's just she needs better material. Yeah. But she always makes the material she's given better. Elevates it. Yep. That's Glenn for you. She's my birthday buddy. My girl rocks! My girl is not rock! What is your rating system? I guess I would have to go with prepaid phones. And I would give this two prepaid phones out of five. <laughs> I think I'm going to give this three prepaid phones out of five. If you want to know how many prepaid phones you would give this, it is currently available to stream on Hulu and on Canopy. If you can, try and hit it at your mother's backhand. It's pretty weak. Yes. Joan, I'm sorry. Okay. Your mom and I, we're going to separate. I've got you Tuesday, Wednesday, and every other Thursday. What about the cat? The cat? We didn't discuss the cat. I've got an elegant new house across the park. It's an elegant block, the filet of the neighborhood. Here's a desk for you to do your homework. Dad, this is for a lefty. I've come by to tell you I'm not staying here anymore. Why? Because you cheated on Dad. Your father told you. Under our noses, like a brothel, men coming in and out. You sound like your father. I've never had an affair with a student, though many have come on to me. That's why you might not want to be attached to your age. When am I going to meet Sophie? Uh, She's not gorgeous, but she's cute. Did you like Sophie? She's not the type I go for. Lily is pretty. The Squid and the Whale played at the Sundance Film Festival in 2005, where it won the Dramatic Directing Award and the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award. It was written and directed by Noah Baumbach. It stars Owen Klein, Jesse Eisenberg, Laura Linney, Jeff Daniels, Anna Paquin, Haley Pfeiffer, and William Baldwin. A pair of brothers living in Brooklyn are caught in the middle of and deeply affected by the divorce of their parents, Bernard and Joan Berkman. Older sibling Walt sides with dad and acts out at school while younger brother Frank quietly 
Charlie backs up his mom. The household tension rises further when Joan's writing career takes off and surpasses the failed ambitions of her professor ex-husband. I do love a good Noah Baumbach film. I quite enjoy watching them and am slowly making my way through his older stuff. <laughs> And I would probably say that this is my least favorite so far. Ooh. It was okay, like this story is interesting and I think the writing is good, but it's just there's so much male fragility and like male ego and toxic masculinity. I was immediately turned off within like the first minute. It's just... That's the whole point. I know. The characters are so unlikable. Mm -hmm. Even Laura Lenny's character isn't the most likable. She's probably the best out of all of them. But it is so just off-putting. It is very hard for me to watch it. And I don't care about the characters at all. And I've reached my level of tolerance for just male fragility. I am overhearing about it. I just don't care because I've heard it all my life and I just don't care anymore. So so this story was just, it wasn't what I wanted. And I was hoping it would be really good. I was really excited to watch this movie. Yeah. Because I had been looking forward to it. And Jeff Daniels' character, Bernard, he was, of course, the worst. Just everything that he said was just awful. It was atrocious. <laughs> I could not stand him at all. Mm -hmm. And then Walt was just like the second worst because he idolized his father and he tried to be a mini Bernard and it was gross. And then like, even whenever you think that the younger brother, Frank, is siding with the mom, he says really awful things to her as well. And what he thinks is wrong and she doesn't help the situation because she doesn't correct them. She, do she doesn't like stand up for herself. And I know it's hard whenever you're in certain relationships because Bernard like steamrolled their entire relationship he was always praise on him he was the one and she sat in the background and was just like yes I will boost your ego along with everyone else but like she didn't do anything even whenever he wasn't around like whenever the boy said something just kind of be like no don't do that don't say that she tolerated it more than yeah and she just encouraged it and so they got to the point where they're old enough where if she was starting to say things don't talk to me like that and then they were like I don't care what you're saying I don't respect you at all they didn't respect her at all and then Walt calls her like a whore and it's just like you've passed the point where you can't do anything about it so it was really annoying <laughs> and just all the the ways that they treated all the female characters in here was it was awful so I didn't love it. Didn't love it? No. And I did appreciate the use of Pink Floyd. Noah's always really good with music. I can always count on him for like a random Paul McCartney song that people don't usually know about or just stuff like this. Like Pink Floyd's Hey You. Yeah. I enjoyed that. So there's at least that. <laughs> But the cast is really good. I mean, their performances, they're good, but they're very off-putting. You just hate the characters? Yeah, I hate them so, so much. And it's really hard to watch and enjoy a movie whenever you hate characters that much. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. My relationship with this movie is I watched it shortly after it hit DVD. So that was probably 14 years ago, and I haven't seen it since. I remember at the time, I wasn't super impressed by it. The only thing I really remembered was, I think I talked told you, I was like, I think that was the first time I had heard Hey You by Pink Floyd. It stuck with me that it was in this movie. And... <laughs> That was pretty much the only thing I remembered. I was interested to see it again through my grown-up lens, and it was better for me this time. The characters are awful, but I was so amused 
by just how over-the-top ridiculous Bernard was and then how that flowed through Walt. It's kind of like just like an outsider looking in and just being like, wow, look at these people. This is bizarre how Walt, he idolizes his father and he just the, the situations he gets himself into trying to be like his father who is a piece of shit and so he he in turn acts that way in life i was just like this is crazy i can't even be amused by it though i often have similar problems with movies it just this time out it didn't bother me as much like just from the opening scene where he's saying like aim at your mother's backhand she has problems with her elbow basically like she can't hit it i'm just like you're such an asshole and like at that point they're still together so it's just him being casually like competitive and cruel and trying to like teach his son how to take down his mom yeah but then just there are certain things that bernard says that if we're hearing it we're just like bro we know none of that is true but then you just see walt taking it and be like yes of course that's right there's this one part that particularly amused me where bernard was like hey um if you if you see any of these books in your mom's house they're my books if they have your mother's maiden name in it, it's just because she went around writing her maiden name in them, but they're my books and they belong to me. And I'm just like, bro, <laughs> stop trying to cop books that aren't yours. Yeah, he was such a child himself. And just how Walt, he would hear what his dad's saying, pretend to understand it, but never make up opinions of his own. Like at the very beginning, whenever, I think it was, was it, he was talking about like Catcher in the Rye maybe or something. No, it was some. It was a, a book. I don't it, remember which book Some it was. important book. And mm-hmm. Bernard was like, oh no, that's one of his worst works. Like that's derivative. You should focus on this work. And then Joan was like, but yeah, maybe you should read it yourself and form your own opinion. He's like, no, I don't want to waste my time and I'm just like yeah he told her to focus on the other one because it's more important and then she says okay she read it later and then tried to talk to him about it and he just parroted things that he heard his dad say and then she asked him more questions but what about this and then he had no other opinions because I doubt he's even read it and he yeah. was just like well that's what I said and then it just ends the conversation the probably the best line in the movie for me was it was whenever he uh, had told her to read Franz Kafka and he was like yeah it's very Kafka-esque and she's like it, yeah, it is Kafka. That's what I mean. Uh, he told her to read something yeah. and then she read it and I doubt he has ever read it. And he hadn't read it because yeah. this the deer he in just, the headlights look that yeah, he, he just parrots what his dad says. Yeah. It just gets him into trouble because he has like no original thoughts in his head and even like whenever he's trying to do his own thing like going out with Sophie and then his dad's like you don't want to be tied down to one lady like you can probably do better and then Walt's like, oh, yeah, I can probably do better. I need to let Sophie know that we're not going to go exclusive anymore. And I'm just like, bro, you're happy with this girl. What are you doing? So it's... I don't think he was really happy with her. I mean, it was going well enough. <laughs> he wasn't even himself. I don't see how that's possible. He was never himself. I guess. Like, he doesn't know who he is. Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't going well. <laughs> but I do like the story behind the title of the movie whenever Walt is talking to the school therapist at the end and he understands where his relationship with his mom may be like diverted a little bit. He understands that his dad isn't perfect anymore. He has a small amount of growth. But he like realizes he used to have a good relationship with his mother. Mm -hmm. But he let his dad infect his brain. Yeah. His dad is a narcissist as well. If you want to see a narcissist in action, watch that movie. Yeah. I can only imagine 
just what Noah had to come through in his own life to like shape these characters because these are very fully realized characters and yeah. you can tell these are people very personal to him. Yeah. And I can see echoes of this in further characters down the line and like Greenberg and other types of movies. Seeing his growth but while maintaining kind of kind of the core ideas and themes that he kind of works through in all of his movies or touches on in various ways, it's interesting to see how he weaves it in. Yeah, I liked Greenberg a lot better, though. <laughs> yeah, but it, it also had Greta in it, so... Yes, but... That helps. Yeah, like, my favorite movies of his are the ones with Greta, mm-hmm. but Greenberg altogether was better. <laughs> but what about Marriage Story? Where would that rank? That one's higher. I liked that one a lot, and I think because it showed more of a growth, his growth as a person, mm-hmm. so I appreciate that he realizes what he did in his first marriage. Yeah. And how he messed it up, and how he was very self-involved and competitive, and all these things that he puts in these other movies. I appreciate that he realized how messed up it is <laughs> and the performances were really good yeah and since we're talking about other noah movies i should also mention that a few days after we watched this we also watched the movie he made right before this mr jealousy which just came out on blu-ray within the past few months from mvd and this would probably be controversial to any Bombok fans but i liked mr jealousy a lot more than squid and the whale i don't think you liked it as much as i did but i really no. i really liked it i liked it more than the squid and the whale though The characters in that were also unlikable, but they were at least more likable than the ones in The Squid and the Whale to me. Yeah. I thought the Annabelle... She's a bit too kind of Manic Pixie Dream Girl touching that. Yeah. He tried to write her as like having anxiety slash OCD slash neurotic... That's pretty close to what I wrote in my review of it. It's just like he pulled back the reins on being a full-blown manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, I just don't appreciate whenever male writers and directors insist on doing that with their female leads. Yeah. So I didn't really love her character, but I didn't hate her character either. I mean, the, the Eric... No. Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Like, his, the, that lead character, he was insufferable because he's obsessively jealous and mm-hmm. won't let it go. It's kind of like a obsessive compulsive. But even with that, I still liked it a lot more than The Squid and the Whale, which got Noah his first Oscar nomination, so. The Squid and the Whale? Yeah, for a screenplay. I mean, I can understand that because, like, the story is very involved and developed, but, eh. <laughs> I mean, I did like the squid and the whale. It's just, yeah, the characters are insufferable. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really root for it. Like, even, I guess I, I root for Sophie on some level. Because she's, like, just normal and just trying to put up with Walt's BS. And just, like, I don't know what she sees in him. But she's just like, okay, like, yeah, I'll try to make this work. Yeah, I just felt sorry for her. Yeah, and then the Anna Paquin character, she's just, uh, I didn't really. It's a little bit manic pixie dream girl yeah. as well. Which is not great. Yeah. Yeah, so... But she also didn't deserve to be treated the way she was treated. No. By either of them? No. No. (laughs) So, I'm team Sophie in all of this. I like her. Yeah. I didn't hate Anna Paquin's character. I just wanted better for her. Yeah. But yeah, Sophie is the most normal. So, Squid and the Whale, not your bag. (laughs) Not really. It's not like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen, but I don't love it. I don't think I'll watch it again. (laughs) see so far it is my least favorite bomb buck movie so we'll see how that goes with like kicking and screaming <laughs> i know we've already touched on this but i think this was a great jeff daniels performance even if his character was insufferable 
people like because mm. Jeff Daniels usually when I see him I'm like pretty charmed by him and yeah. here I had no affection for him yeah I like Jeff Daniels but his character was the worst yeah but the way he inhabited this narcissistic toxic personality perfection <laughs> yeah of course his magnum opus is dumb and dumber mm-hmm. <laughs> Harry how- from dumb and dumber <laughs> yeah how can you beat that hard to beat <laughs> oh good for you and how was it Jessica, hit me with that rating system. My rating system for this movie is ripped off Pink Floyd songs. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give this movie two ripped off Pink Floyd songs out of five. Honestly, two seems high for what you were <laughs> bringing at me. But like I said, the story is well written and the characters are well written. They're well developed. All right. Except for, of course, Laura Lenny's character. Yeah. But it's more like about the boys and Bernard. Yeah. I would rip off three and a half. Pink Floyd songs. I get annoyed with the characters, but I have more of appreciation for how they're portrayed in this movie than you are. I have a detached amusement for them. Honestly, why are men? (laughs) Honestly, I can't answer that question. We just are. If you want to see if you can tolerate this Bombac not classic... It is currently available to stream on Prime and Netflix and also available through Criterion on Blu-ray. You want to control your life, but life isn't a science experiment. You can't contain your world forever. Try doing one thing that scares you over break, okay? Yeah. This serves as an entry voucher. For Minos escape rooms. Be the, the first, first to escape, escape our most immersive, immersive room yet. And win a million dollars. So, uh, when does the game start? I think this is the escape room. We should look for clues. What are we looking for here? Anything that looks like a puzzle or a code. It looks like an oven dial. That looks real. It's kind of warming up in here. Uh, excuse me, we'd like our hit now, please? Well, that's creepy as hell. Is it getting hotter? How do we get out of here? It's Fahrenheit 451. Got it. Talk about immersive. What's wrong with you? That was real. Escape Room was released in 2019. It was written by Braji F. Shutt and Maria Melnick. It was directed by Adam Robitel. It stars Taylor Russell, Logan Miller, Jay Ellis, Tyler Labine, Deborah Ann Wool, and Nick Dodani. Six adventurous strangers travel to a mysterious building to experience the Escape Room, a game where players compete to solve a series of puzzles to win $10,000. What starts out as seemingly innocent fun soon turns into a living nightmare as the four men and two women discover each room is an elaborate trap that's part of a sadistic game of life or death. So this movie wasn't great. <laughs> it was... How dare you? It was fine to waste time. It, of course, has a number of things to get annoyed at, just people being dumb and people being selfish and ridiculous. So that was pretty annoying. But, I mean, the effects are interesting, I guess, and the ideas for the rooms were interesting enough. But, like I was saying, I don't appreciate that it is basically like a remake of Cube or whatever. Yeah, but this has more interesting sets. Yeah, 
but it's just like the same premise and then I think whenever they're describing what was there I think they just had to put in the Escher comment just so that it wouldn't be so much like it so they're just like this is how it's different (laughs) yeah let me just put that in there even though they have all this technology and they can do all this crazy stuff I don't think that they could pull that off are you saying this movie is not believable Jessica I'm afraid it's not how dare you (laughs) I know people are gonna go into this thinking that it is but sadly it's not I damn near thought this was documentary so you get out of here i've heard so many stories of escape rooms gone wrong and i thought i would believe every part of this but i didn't yeah the performances are not really uh amazing either (laughs) there's no oscar worthy performances or anything if you do not take that back yeah taylor is probably the best out of all of them because she has a little bit more substance to her i guess but most of them are all pretty one note so they're all pretty flat even with taylor's character you just know that she's smart that's all you need (laughs) to know and that she likes math she's shy okay okay yeah she doesn't speak up in class whenever she knows the answer because she's shy and she's has trauma, okay? Yeah, they all have trauma. Yeah. Trauma. So yeah, <laughs> you might be wondering, why did we choose this movie? I'm just saying, I needed to prepare for the sequel that's coming out on Blu-ray in a few weeks. And I was saying, hey, this is the type of movie that's right up my alley of not, I wouldn't say guilty pleasure because I have no guilt over it, but I kind of like just the mindless, stupid popcorn throwaway thrillers. So I was hoping that I would have fun with this. You know what? I did. <laughs> did have fun with this. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Because it's a type of movie, I like better movies like Happy Death Day or Truth or Dare wasn't very good. (laughs) Neither was Fantasy Island. I keep just... Do you like these movies at all? (laughs) I I do. I like better movies like this. Seems like they're hard to find. I mean, there's like a good number of Blumhouse movies that are fairly decent. But I did like this movie, mostly because of the premise, because I think it's just, it's basically, like you said, Cube meets Saw almost for teenagers of just... It's less sadistic than Saw. Yeah. But same, like, mad person just setting up elaborate things for no apparent reason, even Mm -hmm. though John and Saw would say that he's doing it for a reason, but whatever. He was more philosophical. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know the depths of... Well... I guess it kind of goes into, it's kind of also a mixture of the Hunger Games, as (laughs) we talked about, of just the spectacle of seeing people try to survive these escape rooms. We'll see how the sequel handles those. Maybe possibly even a human version of the game, the board game Mousetrap. Wow. Very insightful. (laughs) You thought I was going to say Candyland, but you would be wrong. I would have put all the money in the bank on you saying Candyland, and then you zagged. (laughs) But yeah, is this good? No, but I like trying to kind of figure out along with the characters, even though some of the, some of the traps in this movie are not traps, but like rooms, some of the clues, I was like, it's right in front of you. Like the one that was glaring that people are like, oh no, president, like there's a sign on the wall. It has snowflakes on it and says, yeah, you'll, you'll go, go down, down in history. history. And I'm like, it's Rudolph. 
it's obviously a read-off, and they're like, oh, we, we need to be thinking of presidents. And I was like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, that's what I mean. There's tons of things where you just get annoyed because you're just like, what? Yeah. Are you a real person? Yeah, and then even, like, the very first, quote-unquote, like, level of stuff, whenever the room is turning into a giant oven, and they're trying to figure out how to, like, weigh down the coasters and stuff, I was just like, yo, guys, there's there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah, and I kept saying, like, why don't you just fill up fill up the water and the glasses? And they were all just, like, standing, sitting around the table, like, we have to hold these down. And I was like, there's water right there, man. That's <laughs> what man. it's there for. Yo, man. A coaster. What do you use a coaster for? Not your feet. Glasses. <laughs> Cold water. So yeah, the character's a little dumb. And, or <laughs> a lot like, of dumb. Yeah, a lot of dumb. And they're very... Uh, archetypes of different variety. The only character I really liked liked was Taylor Russell's character of Zoe. Would I have liked her as much if I did not want her to get an Academy Award for her portrayal in Waves? I don't know. But after seeing Waves, I will love Taylor Russell forever and I will watch whatever she's in. So I watched this and I was pleased. Okay. I like the other female character pretty well. Oh yeah. Uh, Debran Wall as Amanda. Mm-hmm. She plays one of my favorite characters on True Blood, and we have not started that yet, but she was the initial reason for me wanting to see this movie when I saw the trailers like two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, Deborah's in here. Nice. And I wish that she had been able to do more in the movie, but she was a badass, so. Yeah. I also did like the, I think I just, I like all these people because I like the actors portraying them. I like the guy, Mike, played by Tyler Labine, the truck driver, just because I used to love watching him on Reaper, and now I watch him on New Amsterdam, so I follow Tyler. He's pretty funny. I like him. But the Logan Miller character of Ben, he was just kind of bland, and I I wasn't really rooting for him to make it out even though I think I was supposed to be. But I also think the movie, it kind of undercut the tension a little bit because the very first scene is of him later in the game. I keep calling it a game, I guess. Escape room game. Uh, It is a game. Okay. And so it's like, okay, you know he's going to survive up until this point at least. So you're just waiting for him to get there. So all this whole time you're just knowing like he's good for now. And then the, the villainous dickish character, he's just like that throughout the whole time. Time, so you're not really surprised by anything. Yeah, and he's stupid. Yeah, he's just very selfish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this movie, it brings nothing new, but if you, like me, enjoy mindless thrillers with kind of inventive sets, but pretty much no bloodshed, then go for it. I think it's a pretty entertaining time. You won't want to like return to it again and again, but I enjoyed <laughs> it in the moment. <laughs> yeah. But I hear the sequel might be better but I'm not going to get my hopes up because that's just going to be a recipe for disaster. But uh, Yeah, I would say so. I doubt we'll cover that on the podcast, but listeners, I'll report back. I'll let you know. <laughs> you mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. Jessica, I have a, a query for you. Can you tell me that rating system? My rating system is painfully obvious clues. <laughs> And I would give this movie one and a half painfully obvious clues out of five. Jessica! (laughs) What? The squid and the whale is better than this, so I can't give it more than that. How dare you? (laughs) 
I can't give it a two. You're saying this this is not better than the squid and the whale? No. You didn't actively hate the characters in this. You just Yes, I did. How dare you? <laughs> what is your rating system? I'm going to go with ice holes. Mm. <laughs> so I would fall in three ice holes out of five. Yeah, I said it. Whack. I had a good time. Whack. I had a good time. This was way more fun than four good days. I tell you that for damn sure. <laughs> If you want to see how you feel about this film, I believe as of this recording, it is on FX On Demand or available digitally. for joining us for this episode of Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing Together Together starring Patty Harrison and Ed Helms in 2014's What We Do in the Shadows from Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, plus a wild card that you'll have to wait to hear about. For those who want to prepare at home, Together Together is currently available on Hulu and Canopy and What We Do in the Shadows is available on Canopy, Blu-ray, and digital. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at HomeDancePod. If you enjoyed the show, you can leave us a rating or a review. If you didn't like it, I don't even care. I don't want to read it. Yeah, you should don't give leave it, it. You should give us a, a hate-filled five-star review. Just go for it. Be sure to click five stars whenever you spew that hate. Yeah, we'll know what you mean. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DylanGonzalez2. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on GeekVibesNation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at JessicaNarrates. You can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the art of Ben Belcher. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. And now an original poem that I wrote. Hey you, out there on the road, always doing what you're told. Will you listen to more of this podcast? Hey you, don't tell me there's no hope at all, because together we stand, divided we fall. That was beautiful. Thank you. It just came to me. Bye! Gucci!